So, my lesson today is uh, really it's about retirement. I'm seven years away from being eligible to be retired. I don't know that I can retire in seven years, but but I've been thinking about that a little bit, and I thought it would be good to bring a, a lesson today about retirement. So, you know, many of us, if you aren't aren't already there, um, we look forward to the day when we can stop working, when we can do what we want to do, get up when we want to get up, no deadlines, no bosses, no stressful workplace, no emails. I hate emails, but uh, I get about 50 of those things a day, so I look forward to the day that I don't have to open an email again. You know, it's, a, it's something that I think a lot of people look forward to, and, uh, and Americans, in particular, are really, uh, are really uh, real, real given to the retirement idea. Um, you know, 87% of Americans have some type of retirement fund. Uh, retirement ranks in a, a survey of employers listed of what, what attracts quality employees. Uh, retirement ranked third. You know, companies, there's whole companies and firms devoted entirely to retirement investment for people. You know, it's, a, it's really a big thing in our society that we live in today is, you know, retirement. But where did retirement start at? You know, when, when did we start having retirement? You know, I started doing a little research, and it's really, it's really interesting. You know, there was no concept of retirement before the mid-1880s. Germany actually started the concept by creating a retirement fund for their workers, really to force them out of the workplace so that uh, they could have younger employees. That was the invention of it originally. Of course, our country in 1935, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you know, uh, he began or started the uh, Social Security Administration that creates retirement that is taken from our checks and uh, put into account, and we're supposed to be able to draw that back when we get older. Um, but that, pro that was to address the problem of economic security for the elderly people, particularly out of the, out of the uh, depression area. So, you know, we think about retirement, and, but prior to that, you know, to mankind, retirement is a new concept. Uh, being able to to leave work and and sort of relax and not have uh, any any job requirements. Um, you know, that it's really a, a new form of way of thinking. But our country has is definitely very focused on retirement. So I want to sort of switch gears here and let's start talking about does God have a retirement plan? So do God's people have a retirement plan? Well, actually he does. If we look in uh, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, if you would like to look there, you can read. Um, John says, or uh, Jesus says in that text, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Also in Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, it's revealed to us there that it says, uh, I heard a, a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You know, just in those couple of verses, <clears throat> we read of mansions, we read that we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. We're going to be in the presence of God. And that part in Revelation where he talks about no more, there'll be, he'll wipe away our tears. He'll, no more death, sorrow, crying, no more pain. You know, I've thought about that often. It's not that we won't feel it. We won't know it. We won't even comprehend it anymore. You know, I think about people who, who are saddened because they know that their loved ones aren't going, you know, by our righteous judgment. We know some people, by their actions, and they never repented, aren't going to be there. And that's a sad thing. But God says there will be no sadness there. We will not comprehend sadness. You know, that's, uh, that sounds a lot better than my state retirement plan. I'm just telling you. Uh, we have a pension where I work, but it's nothing like that. You know, that's, uh, this lesson really was inspired to me by a few weeks ago. We had a gentleman here, a brother, Christ, who comes, come here several times. Y'all probably were mostly here. Brother Ron Brown, I can't remember his age. Do you remember, Jimmy? Is that 84? 86. 86 years old. And I talked to his wife back there. And she was telling me about them taking a boat, an eight-hour trip in like a canoe with a, with a, boat motor, a boat motor on the back of it going like 40 miles an hour up a river for eight hours nonstop. And him 86 years old to visit all those congregations of that place of, of where he's um, established and helped establish those congregations and and do the work that he does. Eight hours there, eight hours back. 86 years old. And they both rode that trip in a little old canoe boat. And I think about the commitment that he has. And then I look at the people here. Some of you are here today who struggle just to get here. Um, it, you know, I, Miss Lori probably get mad if I tell you, but she has to get up at 5 o'clock to get ready to be here when I go get her. That's how long it takes her to get ready to be here. You know, I think about that and, the, and the, they're an inspiration to me. So that's, this lesson is really about, um, you know, that commitment that they have. So let's talk about our Christian retirement. So I thought about this and I thought, you know, do we have biblical examples of people God's people in the Bible retiring from their godly service. 
Um, so I went through, and I didn't go through everything, but I, I went through and I tried to remember and I tried to study some of these characters, but Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Samuel, Jeremiah, the prophets, Jesus, the apostles, John the Baptist, Paul, Stephen. I can't think of no one person in the New Testament or the Old Testament that is recorded of retiring or stepping down from serving God due to age or just choice. Um, there are examples where their health prevented them from continuing on the work that they had uh, in several occasions, but never did they step down because they were wanting to step out of responsibility. I think you can actually see in, in what Caleb read earlier, Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, Jesus said, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And also in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, I think we actually covered this this morning to the very end of our Bible class and here in the adult class. He says, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The race. I have kept the faith. Well, he finished the race. And then when you look at John chapter 17, verse 4, which you would, would look at John chapter 17, verse 4 there with me, and we'll look at a couple verses there in John so if you open your Bibles to John chapter 17, verse 4. Now this is Jesus speaking just uh, uh, right around the time that right before he's going to be punished and, and crucified. You know, he's still with his disciples. He says, I have glorified your name on the earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. Did he relax after that? Did he kick up his feet? Did he take a cruise to the Caribbean? You know, I, I think about the things that Jesus done and the, some of the men that we see in the, in the scriptures and women. But if you look at John 19, verse 30, just two chapters later, Jesus said, after he received the sour wine, when he was hanging on the cross, it is finished, and gave up his spirit. He didn't, he didn't slow down. He didn't relax, or he didn't step down from the responsibility that God had put on him. So my question is, are we retiring from God's service? Uh, I think it's an honest question. It's an honest question that each one of us need to ask. You know, there's a lot of social, the church over the years have, has, even in the beginnings of the church, has always had to deal with what society feels is right versus what God feels is right. Now, we deal with a different set of circumstances today that uh, the early church did, but they still dealt with those things. You know, there was Jews trying to make people uh, become, uh, follow some of the old law, then, now we have different things. And I see the social influence of our country come into the church sometimes. Um, I don't know if you've been covering it, but the Southern Baptist Convention lately, you know, has had a lot of controversy in the news about um, some of their leaders have been uh, doing inappropriate things. But one of the 
one of the punishments that they have done is they have revoked some of their leaders' retirement benefits. So, you know, and we say, well, you know, we're not, we're not the, we're not the Baptists. Now I understand that we're the Lord's church, but if something like that is affecting a denomination, it's going to affect us too. Uh, so, you know, retirement benefits for them, um, and I think you know, so they, their, their leaders are retiring and drawing, you know, pensions from their service of, you know, to God. So I want to focus a little bit on what to avoid. What should we avoid as Christians when we talk about retiring from God's service? So, you know, I'm a manager at my work, and I and I am involved in hiring and 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 managing the workforce. And, you know, we, we interview lots of people. <laughs> we interview. There's some crazy people that you have to interview sometimes. But but anyway, you know I. I've sort of put a list together. For our first category is short-timers. You know, short-timers are what we call people who, they're almost about to retire. You know, they're, they're just going to be here for a little while. They're not going to be working, you know, whatever time period ahead. They, they see the light at the end of the tunnel of their work, work life. And while they're capable of doing lots of work, they choose not to. They step back. Uh, they do less. They let other things take priority. They're not committed to the work that they do. Um, I think in Hebrews 5.12, the Hebrew writer points out something that is very pointed toward those type of people. He says, by this time you ought to be teachers. But then later on he says, you come to need milk and not solid food. So that these people can work have worked, but they choose not to work anymore. Um, you know, these are the ones in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 to the church at Laodicea. He said, you are lukewarm because you do less than what you can do. The next class of category that I've that I come up with is part-timers. You know, we, we call these, uh, we have People come want to work for us at TDOT, and you know they've done work a career, and I'm sure they've done good. But they come and they they want a they want a part time job. They just want to come and you know don't call me for any overtime. Don't come. I just want to know how many days I can get off, and I want to know you know <laughs> you know what the benefits are. Don't worry about the work part. You know you know I call those port. They they want the folding money. That's all. They they just need a little folding money, but. You know, part-timers, you know, part-timers are those who, you know, a lot of times they're sincere, sincere people. They, they want, they, when they're there, they do a good job, but they can't be counted on for any real responsibility because they're always committed to something else, um, whether it's, you know, their various vacations or or whether they're visiting other congregations or they're, you know, sometimes you just don't know where they're at. Um, and uh, so it makes it really hard for the leadership of the congregation to give them any real responsibility because they're not reliable enough to be there. Now, when they do work, they do good work. It's just they're not reliable. Um, and then also these, these can be people who are present 
at all services or all activities, but they never are involved with any work of the church. So they never take any responsibility or they never, never, you know, step into something that, you know, is a, is a work. So these are the ones Christ spoke of in Revelation chapter 3 when he talked to the church, church at Sardis. And he said, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Verse 3, he told those people of that congregation, he said, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. So those are people who they know they're just not committed enough to step up to what they need to be doing. And then the last category I have uh, have here is just basically the retired. I'm not talking about retired from your job. I'm talking about retired spiritually. They have spiritually checked out. You know, whether present at the services or whether they never come anymore. Uh, these don't participate in anything. They don't evangelize. They don't pray. They don't study. They don't have any will to grow. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 6 talks about uh, some of these people. He says, For it, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age that is to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 also says this is where those type of people that this verse in 1 Timothy 4 2 is talking about having a seared conscience. They're numb to their sins. You know, they they either don't care anymore or they have given up on changing. They've given up and they, they've given up on ever being able to change themselves. Um, you know, Matthew talks a lot when someone comes forward about people having a soft heart. You know, these are people whose heart have been hardened by by the sin that they, they or by the just inactivity that they've been in all their life. So, you know, it's important for us when we see problems in our lives to change our lives and repent. You know, you may have to repent or we all have to repent hundreds of times. But when we stop repenting, then we lose that soft heart and we become seared and calloused. And this is the ones who, who have done that. So I want to present to you before we close today is a, just a modern-day parable. Now, I'm not Jesus, so it's not going to be that good. But it is based off of one of Jesus' parables. So I'm going to give you a proposition. So today... Just imagine, you, each one of you, individually, that rich uncle, some entrepreneur that has lots of money, comes in and says, hey, Joe, or Mary, whatever your name is, he says, I want you to be the CEO, chief executive officer of a multi-million dollar company, and we make purple thingamajigs. These purple thingamajigs are the hottest thing since masks and COVID. You know, they are the thing. And everybody wants one. 
and you're going to be the chief executive officer of this company. The catch is you've got to hire every bit of your staff. You've got to figure out where you're going to get your workforce. So you decide, you think, and you decide, hey, you know, everybody at McCoinsville just lost their job, so why don't I hire them? So you determine that you're going to hire everybody that attends this congregation. You know, you got great benefits. You know, you got great pay. You may, you may even let them work from home. I don't know, you know, but, but you've got all these great benefits that you have. What do you expect from your workers? What will you expect from them? You know, you're the CEO now. You've got to go off to a six-week CEO course to teach you how to be a, an executive. So you're going to have to leave this company, but you're coming back in six weeks, and you're going to, you're going to assess where they're at. And what would you want? Just think about that. What would you want from your workers if you had that kind of ability and that kind of power? I would suspect you would want them to learn their job, become familiar with their job. That's the first thing. To do your job, you know, do their job and work hard, work together, get along, be efficient, you know, no bickering, try to get along. In six weeks, you're coming back to check. So now let's parallel that. So look at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20 says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So in a sense, you are an employee. You've been hired by the Lord. You're bought at a price. You're, you're to be about God's business, right? So if we're bought at a price then what is the expectation of an employee of God? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and, and on into 18, you can read that Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God. So now all things are of God. Your new creation, your responsibility all things are of God. So let us not confuse our purpose as the church. We're to grow in faith and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, we talked about that. That's what you would want your employees to do, to understand their job. We're to grow in the faith and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.18 we are to continually be about God's business. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, he said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So if he was living, it was about Christ. It wasn't about anything else. Everything was about Christ. So many of us here at McCoy's, well, we have a great, I feel like this is, the, this is, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than this congregation. Uh, we visit after services. Uh, everyone here, to my knowledge, you know, is generally loves one another. Um, we have various events and places outside of services where we get together. You know, I have like a cheering section for my kids at all their sporting events. Um, and 
You know, it's, and that's good, and we should do that. That's a very important part of, of uh, our Christian life is the fellowship with one another. But another important function of the church is to seek and save the lost. You know, I've been teaching class every, I don't know, however long I've been teaching, but, you know, I teach the young men's class, uh, high school age class up into the college. And, you know, we have some great young men. And I've talked to girls too, so young girls too. Um, they're exceptional. You know, I, I challenge them in my young men's class to take the next step in their spiritual lives. It's time for them to teach, to preach, to learn, to grow in the faith, knowledge of faith, then knowledge and in faith. But, you know, they shouldn't be setting the example. They shouldn't have to set the example in our congregation. And I'm not saying that they are. We have lots of great examples to look at. I mentioned some just a while ago. We should set the example. Those of us who are of age, we should set that example. Uh, we're, we will never get them to follow us if we don't first walk that road. So let's go back to our parable. So you come back after six weeks and you look at the performance of your workers. And I want to turn it around on you. God's coming back. He's looking at our performance. Each end of us individually, myself, you, you know, we're not building purple thingamajigs here. We're doing much more important things than purple thingamajigs. Are you happy with the work that you've done? Have you learned your job? Do you know your manual? You know, if you're at work, you, you have a manual about the part of the work that you do, most likely, or some kind of guide. Do you know your guide from God? Have you worked? Have you really worked and get out and worked for God in the services and outside the services? Have you just shown up or have you even done that? Are you part of the work at McCoinsville or are you what the workers at McCoinsville are working on? That's something that I think you need to take into in in thought. Are you working or are you the ones who are being worked on. If you are not satisfied with your work to this point, will God be satisfied? You know, the great thing about God is it's never too late. As long as you're alive, it's not too late. And the second greatest thing about God is he will always forgive you. And not only that, but he will help you. God has done his part. He created you. He gave you every great blessing that's in your life right now. He sacrificed his son to bring you back into his presence when you chose sin and separated yourself from him. Now you have to decide. You know, it's really simple. We can, are you going to decide to get busy living or are you going to decide to get busy dying? Are you going to be about God's business? Or are you going to be a part-timer, a short-timer, or a retired? Now, I'm not talking about people who are physically unable. I think I mentioned that earlier. It's 
know, we have several here that do all they can do physically to serve God. But, you know, it's, it's really, it's really about doing what God wants us to do. We look at those characters in the Bible sometimes as these people who are of special powers. Now, God did give those men miraculous gifts, some of them. But those men were men and women just like us. They were born. They put their pants on if they had pants the same way we do. They had weaknesses. They'd done things wrong. But we sometimes think that those people are just beyond our spiritual ability to match those efforts that they do. You know, we can be great. You can be great. But if you've, not, if you've never become part of his family, then you'll have to, you need to come and believe in Jesus. You know, Jesus, you have to believe that he came. He was born of a, a virgin mother, born of God, lived on this earth, died a sinless life on your behalf. And repent of your sins. Repent of those things that you've done that are against God and his will. Confess Jesus as the son of God, your God, your king, your boss, and do the things that he tells us to do. And also be baptized for the remission of sins. And lastly, we're to live faithful. We read earlier, Matthew 24, 13, we must endure to the end. There's not a retirement plan here for us. We have a spiritual responsibility to God that never stops. Obviously, our, our, our health may fail one day, and they may, may not be able to do some things. But none of these men, that people that we see, ever slowed down and stopped unless they physically couldn't do it. If you need to re recommit your life to God, or if you need to just step into God's family, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?